Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hello, everyone. Today, we are joined by Ian Ginsberg, president of Theo Bigelow Apothecaries, the oldest apothecary in the U.S., uh, New York institution, and from my point of view, an originator of the beauty specialty retail model. Hi, Ian. How are you doing? Thanks for Thanks having so me. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, we're so no, happy awesome. to have you here. Um, so welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Our listeners are curious about career paths and journeys of executives in our industry and um, not the glossed over shiny PR version, right, that we hear so often, but something really honest and um, revealing. And you certainly have an incredibly interesting story to tell. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought, you know, since... You know, Bigelow has been such an institution for so long. Let's start with a little history lesson. Um, CEO Bigelow opened in 1838, and your family bought it 100 years later. So I'm curious to know, what does running a fourth-generation family business mean to you? I mean, so I think it's an, it's a crazy honor and a privilege to be able to spearhead, you know, not only a 180-year-old brand, but also a brand that's been in a family for 80 years. Um, you know, one of the, I mean, and there's a lot of pressure too, because there's a, I don't know if, if you've heard the old, <clears throat> the old story, uh, the first generation starts it, the second builds it up and the third uh, <laughs> fill in the blanks, blanks it up. And so that's a, an incredible amount of pressure. And I kid with my son, who's now fourth generation. I said that the, he's very lucky because the, the story starts over again. Right. Um, but there's also, right, been, you know, right, right. There's also been other family through the years who are still, you know, alive. And so you think, um, so on that side, the pressure is to, the, the, the personal pressure is mounting because you always, you know, you don't want to be that guy and you want to make sure that you, you know, you represent the family and what this brand has meant to people, um, and do it right. But it's, it's, um, you know, as I look through the archives constantly and all the stuff we have, it, it, it never gets old. It's as cool today as it, to me as it is to, you know, as it was 30 years ago. You know, I never thought about the fact that um, when you were growing up in the business and running the business your way, you probably really had this constant pressure of like, am I going to mess this up? That so many people. Oh no, no, it's 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 a minute by minute, day by day. It doesn't. It it didn't. It hasn't left me today either. I mean, you, you know, as hard as it is to keep a 180 year old brand alive, just imagine the pressure that you're the third generation, and then you know every generation has put their thumbprint on it, and you don't want to be the one that screws it up, right? Yeah, you know, um, that leads me to another question, which is uh, like the topic of self-doubt, which I feel like um, is sort of like, I guess, my disease, right? Like I feel like one day I feel great and everything makes sense and I have clarity and then the next moment, you know, something small can happen and all of a sudden I'm, you know, struck down by self-doubt, rethinking everything, am I doing this right? Is this the right thing? Am I making enough money? Am I, you know, X, Y, and Z? Um, but when I talk to you, I sense someone that's like so grateful and so comfortable in his own skin. And I admire that like so, so much. Um, so how do you keep it together? How do you deal with this, you know, pressure that you've had, um, you know, that we put on ourselves and, you know, I guess your generational aspect of your business puts on you, how do you keep it together? I don't know if I keep it together. I mean, I, I, I have an amazing, you know, I think I have an amazing life, but I, I, um, 
uh, I mean, I put, I'm the ultimate pessimist, so I'm always looking at the dark side, right? Because I feel if you, if you understand what you're up against, then, then you're more, and, and then you can be a student of how you can surpass them. I think if you're too optimistic, you make a lot of mistakes. So I'm always, you know, and I'm trying to think far, far ahead. Again, I'm running, you know, an, you know, an old, an old style business in a modern world. So I'm always kind of thinking, oh my God, what, where are we going to be five, ten years from now? Um, but I do, you know, personally, you know, spiritually. I mean, I get up every morning. I'm an avid runner, so I go out on the road and I run. And um, I guess somehow, somehow. It, it, if I can get out there and run, you know, at my age, it's almost 55 years old every day. You know, if I could still do that, then I could do other, you know, then I could do something else. You know what I mean? It's, it's always a person, you know, it's, it's an internal competition with myself to what I can do. And if you can do that, then I can achieve other things. Um, I've fallen out of it, but I meditate, you know, I, I used to meditate a lot. Um, but I'm just always, you know, I'm always striving for, you know, that reminding myself, uh, that life is okay. And, uh, you know, I have amazing kids, I'm healthy and I have a really great gig that I love doing every day, but it's, it doesn't, self-doubt is within, within everybody. It's not, um, don't let anybody fool you. There's nobody there that doesn't second guess themselves on a daily basis. It's, I think it's healthy, um, to a certain degree. Yeah. Keeps, you know, I am hungry. I think it's about, um, you know, I have a, a better awareness about it now. It's like, oh, and then I like talk myself out of it. <laughs> like I have that, like that creepy bad feeling and I actually like go through my head. Well, I'm confident. I'm capable. <laughs> I literally talk to myself in my head and I like undo it, you know? And I think that's um, growth because maybe a year ago, two years ago, you know, it would stay with me. I go to sleep with the thought. I'd wake up with the thought, Right. Um, and now like little by little, I'm learning how to like unravel the self-doubt in that moment. Um, no, I mean, I look at, you know, I look at my life. I grew up and I think I mentioned this before I grew up, I was, you know, I'm blind in one eye. I went through some multiple surgeries. I couldn't play contact sports as a kid. So then I became a musician instead. And I, you know, I channeled that into music and then, you know, I was a club kid. So I was all over the place. I wasn't, you know, I was smart, but I was, I never applied myself in school at all. I was in, you know, I used to goof around in school. Um, but then, you know, you grow up a little bit, um, I'm still not growing up today, but you grow up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, I used to party a lot in college, so I started running and I figured if I run, that'll clean my, you know, that'll clean me up. And, you know what I mean? I do all these things and then I became obsessed with running and I ran marathons. And then all these things are a reminder, like if you can conquer these things, then, you know, you're okay. And, um, you know, my father used to say, give me a paper bag and I'll fight my way out of it. You know, um, so it's it's. Um, but I'm I'm grateful. And I guess you're right. I'm I am grateful. I've never thought that I'd be, you know, in the position I am today. And and you know, everybody measures success in different ways. To me, you know, I'm crazy successful. But it's not in you know not necessarily in financial ways. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that topic because when um, as my agency evolves, I think a lot about how I define success, and um, I think my definition of success is different than like, you know, other agencies I see around me. For me, it's always about keeping an eye on my personal life and not letting the work erode it. Um, how do you define success and why? 
Um, a lot of different ways. I mean, you know, Bob Dylan says a man's a success if he wakes up in the morning and goes to bed at night and does what he wants to do in between, right? And um, I was at this event last night with Roy Williams, you know, the famous basketball coach, and he said, um, I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I get up every morning and I don't go to work. Um, I, I'm doing what I want to do. And so, I mean, I define success as, um, as you know, being comfortable where you are, um, doing what you love, you know, for me, I don't go to work. I get, I, I, you know, I, I still love what I do. I have a great, you know, I have a great family. My kids are awesome. Um, married almost 30 years. Um, but it's not, for me, it's not about money. It's about, um, you know, living a full life. And, uh, but you know, one would argue my personal life and my business life are too linked. (laughs) Um, too connected. yeah. What's that? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, because I'm obsessed, you know, I'm just obsessed with, it's not a comp- competitive nature, I'm just, it's it's things that interest me, you know, because, you know, the 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 the, the problem with, yeah, I don't even know if it's a problem, but the problem with enjoying what you do is that where's, where's the separation? If right. you don't enjoy what you do and it's a job, then you have to separate your, business, your, your work life from your personal life. For me, I don't look at it as work. I look at it as something I, you know, it's a, it's a, it's something I really enjoy. I like reading about it. I like like listening to podcasts. I like watching TV about it. Um, and so it's a, you know, it's a, it's 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 part of the life. Um, but success is just getting up every morning and loving to loving, you know, in, loving what you do. So, um, you know, on this note of like the how intertwined your personal life is with your work life. Um, what, what do you do to kind of shut out work for a little while other than running? Like, you know, I guess, you know, I, I have this compulsion to look at my phone, right? I'm home with my kids. I got home. They're, you know, playing. They want me to play with them. Of course I want to play with them. Like my, my real, like to drive and desire is to play with them. But yet I have this like thing in my hand, right? And it's calling my name and it's saying, you're needed, you're wanted, right? And it's like, um, you know, like luring me in, um, whether there's actually any news there or not, right? Um, it's luring me in. How, how, do you, how do you actually like separate and like actually stop working? Well, I'm a little, so I'm a little screwed up. So, um, per, and personally with my friends and stuff, I don't really engage too much on the phone, um, with friends, you know, on an ongoing basis. So I'm not on social media. I'm personally not on Facebook. Um, and I'm not a big texter with a big world of friends. So I don't, I don't find it necessary to be on it for that. I do feel an obligation since I run a couple of businesses and I have a lot of, you know, I work with a family of people that we've worked with forever. I do feel an obligation for, to be on call. So if they do need me, so I do look at it, right. Mm-hmm. But I can put it down for a long time, um, and not be engaged. Um, I do love content, so I love reading stuff. So I'll, you know, I'm reading newspapers and all kinds of nonsense on it, but I'm not socially engaged on it. Um, as far as shutting off, um, I'm a musician, you know, I was a musician in my previous life, so I do play a lot, you know, I play instruments, so I'll go down and, you know, we have a music studio, so I'll go down and play the drums, or I'll go play guitar, or um, I do that, and that, you can't be on your phone at that time, right? right? And right. So that shuts me off, that turns me off. I'm also a very good vegetator, so um, <laughs> in the summertime, you can find me crashed on a lounge chair in the backyard, sleeping. Um, I can shut off then, you know, it's funny because my work life is so social and I'm, because I'm on all the time, 
and it's because I want to, I'm really good. When I turned off, I turn off. Um, and I could just, you know, vegetate on the couch in front of a, you know, mindless TV show. Um, Mm -hmm. and not look at the phone at all. Like I can put it down and not, and not, and not, and not look at it. Um, but I do peek only in case some of the people who work for me, you know, need to need me for something, have a question. Um, and we also do business, you know, for good and bad. One of the great things about my job is I get to travel around the world and I do business with people around the world. So, you know, it's for other, it's hard to understand, but I wake up in the morning and I'm getting emails from Europe and, uh, that I have to respond to. And I only have a window of time to answer at night when I get home at nine o'clock at night and it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning in China and Japan. And all of a sudden the emails start, right. And if I don't answer them, then, um, it's another, you know, 24 to 36 hours before I can talk to them again. Right. So, you know, but that's the only engagement I have. Uh, so I just make sure that nothing's happening that anybody needs me for. Other than that, I can toss it aside and not bother and just totally shut my brain off. That's awesome. Um, I'd love to shift gears a little and talk about um, Bigelow and Beauty. Um, you told me that a core value of the business is that that CEO Bigelow is a place that people want to go to and not have to go to, right? Um, how do you keep that value alive in your business? Like you said, it's um, you know an old school business in a really modern world. Tell me about how that value um, comes through. Well, I'm like a maniac when I go to stores. Like I don't like going to stores, this, and, and, but I think about the places I like to go and why I like to go there. And it's it's a lot about the experience. And so we do actually, you know, we we talk about it internally, like where are your favorite places to go and why do you go there? It's not necessarily about what they sell. It's about how they feel when they're there. And um, so I started, you know, I was, um, I have a razor focus on uh, how people are treated when they come into the store. So it has to be a place people want to go to. I want someone to say, you know, hey, uh, you know, on the on the pharmacy side, hey, you know what? I don't feel well. I got to go to Bigelow's. Or, you know, if someone needs a gift on the weekend, you know, I'm going to this party, I'm going to someone's house, I'm going to a bridal shower, whatever. Oh, the only place to go is there. It's Bigelow's. Or mm-hmm. I want, um, you know, now that we're older and we're all, you know, we're all taking drugs for all, all kinds of ailments at my age, you know, guys, people sit around the dinner table with their friends and they're like, you know, I'm on this drug or that drug. I want someone to say, um, where do you get it? Oh, well, I go to Bigelow's. Why do you go? Why do you go? Why do you go there? Are you kidding? Let me tell you. And so I'm, I, I'm, I'm crazy about giving, you know, our, our customers being our greatest asset, telling people the reasons why and that, and everybody says, yeah, we give great service, but we, we can def- I can define that. Um, and I'm constantly wanting to better it. And especially now when everybody's so digitally, you know, their, their brains are so digitized, it's nice to be able to walk into some place that's really comfortable where people know your name and they say, hey, you know, how you doing? How you feeling? Yeah, I don't feel well. Or, you know, I'm going out tonight on the beauty side. Um, can you help me with my hair? Or, um, you know what? I know I'm not taking, doing the right thing. I need to take care of my skin. I need to, you know, make these wrinkles go away tomorrow. What can we do? But from a genuine, you know, our credo is genuine, honest, and trustworthy. But from a genuine place. And so I want somebody, you know, to be emotionally attached to, to us here and, and I can define that for you, and I can give you reason, things that we do, but it's a constant. Um, I'm constantly trying to up the game mm-hmm. um, to make it, make it personal. From the perspective of um, 
curating beauty, what I've noticed through the years, you know, long before I met you is that uh, everything really seems so intentional, right? Like you can feel intention when you walk in the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine that you have like tons and tons of brands coming to you wanting to carry, you know, wanting you to carry them. Um, Cause it really is a, a feather in the cap for, for brands. H- how do you, make decisions on what makes sense for Bigelow being as you have one store and only a certain number of, you know, Shelves, you know, right, no, no, no. And it, listen, I wish I, it's not in, in the grand, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a large space. Um, and we are, you know, we are small, but we're mighty. And I would, I would imagine we're probably the largest single, you know, largest independent beauty retailer. Um, as far as volume, but it, it, mm-hmm. we do it. We focus on the we we focus on fewer things, and um, and we look at things from lots of different perspectives. I mean, I love nurturing little brands, and I love you know small brands, and I love you know I love traveling around the world, discovering things, and there's just so much great stuff out there. And I try and we try to be nice to everybody, but we just have very limited space. But we um we look at we we look at everything we look at every category very specifically and we want to you know over assortment just confuses people you know confuses everybody right mm-hmm. and um if if my salespeople can't navigate the difference between things then the customer is never going to understand it so we get very granular when we look at each category and we go okay where are we you know if we look at you know color and we go okay where are we in the makeup artist space you know there are thirty five makeup artists at least who have makeup brand you know brands that are very similar. I don't need to be in 35 makeup artist brands to be in the makeup artist business. And so we look at that very specifically. And so that's how we do it, you know, in hair and color and and skincare and things of that sort. You know, where are we? Where's our our natural position? Where's our glycolic acid business? So we look at... We look at specific spaces which we know customers that people are talking about. But mm-hmm. for us, it's all about the uh, great stories. So we, we love products that have great heritage, great stories, great tradition, great science behind them, things that are really meaningful. Um, and it's got to do what it says it's going to do and because people trust us. You know, different from any other retailer, when you, you know, people come here and they ask our opinion and they trust our opinion, and if we're going to recommend something, um, we want, we want the, the experience for them when they get home. First of all, we want them to run out the door, and they, they won't even go to another store. They can't wait to get home because they want to try it because, they, right. because they're so convinced it's the right thing. And then I want them to tell all their friends about it. Um, but we take that responsibility really seriously. And um, we also want to, you know, enrich people's lives. So we, we focus a lot on, on daily, you know, daily activities. Like, you know, we're known for European toothpaste and shaving products and things where you can, you know, mundane tasks and making them interesting. Um, and we focus on a lot of things that people don't know they need, but when they see it, they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I never had that, you know. <laughs> Um, and sometimes it doesn't make some brands happy because they just don't have the room, but we, we find we do larger volume when we do less things. And the other important, um, the other important piece of that is, is that we don't go in and we don't fall in and out of love very quickly. So if we're passionate about something, we're passionate about something. If you came Mm -hmm. in today and you said, Hey, what's your favorite cleanser? And I said, you know, this one's my favorite cleanser. If you came in next month and I go, that used to be my favorite one. Now this is my favorite one. You would, you would lose. And that happens, right? Um, you would lose a lot of faith in us. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, the world doesn't change that quickly. You know, you know so, this idea of honesty is part of your, like, retail value is so interesting. I don't, um, I mean, I can imagine that some companies want that, <laughs> you know, would want to aspire to that, but that would be really hard for them to be truly honest, right, and genuine. 
um, because they have, you know, monthly goals to hit and X, Y, Z, right? Um, I think it's really beautiful that that's, you know, that when well, your no. customer walks through the door, they, they know that it's, you know, going to be real. Our salesperson, uh, salespeople have been with us for a long, long time, a lot of them. Um, I have people here 20, 30 years, uh, you know, lots. Um, they're really passionate. They're not commissioned. Um, they're not scripted. They're all very different. It's not one person. If you look at even on the beauty side, they're, they're, they're very, very different. They're not one personality. And right. we want that because we want them just to speak from the heart. So, you know, you might talk to one salesperson and you see you have curly hair and you say, hey, you know, I don't, you know, I have curly hair. What's, what's your, you know, what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you love for curly hair? And she says, well, listen, I don't, but, you know, so-and-so says, let's ask her. So mm-hmm. it's all, everybody's talking from the heart. And, um, you know, so we, we work, you know, we work really hard to find really good people. Uh, we work really hard to keep them happy. Um, we try. And, right. um, and when they're, you know, when they're, listen, when, when the customers, you know, when the salespeople are happy, when the employees are happy, the customers are really happy. Um, yeah. When the salespeople are miserable, the cust- you know the it's uh, uh, you know the empl- you know the, the the customers are miserable. So um, honesty is really important um, because I you know you're only known by you know your reputation and your re- and, and I'm like a lunatic when I go to st- you know I'm like the worst customer because I can you know I I, I sift through BS like a madman. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, Ian, this has been so incredible. Um, we so appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. And no, we've really enjoyed having you on our show. Hey, no, I, I'm, 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 listen, I'm honored that anybody cares what I have to say. So, um, <laughs> so this is awesome. Well, I think more retailers should listen to what you have to say, quite frankly. Yeah, well, we, we hope to be, when it, when it all shakes out in the next 10 to 20, 30 years, we hope to be the last man standing. So we're trying. It's, you know, it's harder and harder in 2017, but... We, we hope to be the last one standing. Right. So now that's um, that's on your son's shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm gonna we're gonna help him get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you, Ian. Hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.